0: Like the Buffalo Bills. What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I greatly appreciate everyone for tuning in for today's episode. If you do not follow me on Instagram, please give me a follow there at English Encore Podcast. It would be greatly appreciated. We're doing a little bit of a change in schedule for the content today just because of all the stuff going on with the Buffalo Sabres, with the draft, and the recent trades they have been making. So, today's episode, I'm going to start off talking about the NBA Finals or the Milwaukee Bucks won their first championship in over 50 years so I'm going to talk about that series as a whole and then I'm going to dive into the Sabres draft as well as the two major trades they made um, and then kind of talk about the Jack Eichel situation um, as a whole so let's get started with the NBA Finals. So after the Suns jumped out to an early 2-0 series lead, the Milwaukee Bucks come back and win four consecutive games to knock off the Phoenix Suns, who had the home corn advantage. Uh, just a very interesting series because after the first two games, I think a ton of people would have said that the Suns were just going to walk away with the series because both games were pretty much blowouts. Milwaukee did come back in Game 3 and do the same thing, and the Suns had a really good chance in Game 4, but there's a lot of critical errors down the stretch by both Devin Booker and especially Chris Paul. Then they come home for Game 5. You know, they aren't able to get it done, and Game 6, Giannis has had a kumbo, cementing his legacy, dropping 50 points, you know, double-digit rebounds just all over the floor, making play after play. Devin Booker had probably one of his worst playoff games um, during the playoff stretch, you know, only shooting 8 of 22 in game 6. Chris Paul was really not himself um, throughout the whole series. Um, I actually believe he was a minus when he was on the floor for the overall series, or maybe it was just game 6. Um, Booker did average 28.2 points. Um but he also only shot 26.8% from three during the NBA finals, which is really low for him. Um his shooting from three can get inconsistent um at times. And then the big thing with Booker also is he averaged four fouls per game, and obviously you get six fouls, but he got himself into a foul trouble situation way too many times that forced them to go to the bench, and many of the Suns players really didn't give them huge minutes. Campaign was good at times. But didn't really give them the spark they needed. Obviously, Dario Saric going out um, with the injury and missing um, the rest of the series after game two was a huge thing um, for the Suns. Frank Kaminsky gave really good minutes in game six, but overall, um, DeAndre Ayton seemed timid and scared, especially in games five and six. I mean, you look at games one through three, he had 50 points, 39 rebounds. In games four through six, he only had 38 points, 38 rebounds. And that may not be a huge difference um to some people in only 12 points and 6 rebounds, but you, especially in game 6, you could just tell that he didn't have it going the normal shots he would always hit on the inside did not go for him. He got in foul trouble um and they just found ways to abuse him um in the low post. Drew Holiday really stood out in the series. I know people want to give him a lot of crap for not shooting the ball particularly well but he was huge in game five dropping over 20 points um and stealing a win on the sun's home floor he averaged 41.7 minutes per game and was just an absolute dog on the defensive end making it tough on chris paul devin booker cam johnson whoever he was covering he was making it tough on them and when it comes down to it i think I don't think Monty Williams did a really bad job coaching. I think Mike Boonholzer deserves a ton of credit because I'm someone that has, um, you know, given him a lot of crap for not making coaching adjustments recently in playoff years. Um, and he did a really good job in this series especially. Um, after the first two games, it was very evident that they had to pick and choose when they wanted to have Brook Lopez on the floor because they were able to really take advantage of him in the first couple games. And he was able to make that switch and use Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton um, compared to some of the other guys off the bench. Um, P.J. Tucker was huge for them as well. And a guy like Brent Forbes, who really went off in the Miami series, didn't really play much at all. And I think a big part of that was Pat Connaughton for how well he played. Um, And Chris Middleton was also an X-factor in the series because throughout the course of the playoffs, he was very hit and miss. He was having, you know, 10, 15-point games, and then huge 25, 30-point explosions. I thought in the NBA Finals he was super consistent. Um, and I thought that it was a really good thing for the Bucks that they could get significant contributions from not just Giannis. And Middleton and Holiday. really carried the load um, in Game 5. Just an incredible job by the Milwaukee Bucks overall. Um, the Phoenix Suns are a really good young team. Um, I think they'll definitely be back in the mix for the NBA Finals again next year. Um, Chris Paul, I think, I wouldn't say he choked because he did have a number of good games and he wasn't the sole reason why they lost. Devin Booker had a really couple um, rough shooting games down the stretch of that series, eight and like I already mentioned, and then they just didn't get enough off their bench between Payne, um, Johnson. You know, Crowder and Bridges mixed in some good games but just weren't consistent overall. So if they can add some more bench guys, or add maybe a more consistent um, power forward and put Jay Crowder towards the bench. I think that would really help them. But um, the Bucks overall, you know, they don't get enough credit for the Bobby Portis suggestion because he was huge um, in this series and especially um, in late games. And he really provided them a spark off the bench where he could really get going and get hot um, when they maybe weren't getting the scoring they needed to from some of their role players even guys like jeff teague who could come in and give drew holiday the two three minutes rest um was really big for them overall i think this finals was really fun it's awesome to have new teams in there and not the same teams whether that's you know the lakers with lebron or the warriors um and it's just going to be good i hope next year we get the same type of thing obviously i think the bucks or excuse me the bucks um the nets Uh, The Suns and the Lakers would probably be the top four teams. Uh, Clippers are also going to be in that mix, depending on what happens with Kawhi. But definitely just an awesome series overall, and I'm sure me and Zach will touch on it the next time we record together um, next week. Kind of just go over this and then talk about the offseason, and we'll also talk about USA basketball with the Olympics. I just actually finished watching that game. They actually just lost um, in preliminary to France, so we'll definitely dive into that. But the main reason why we bumped today's show to this morning was because of the Buffalo Sabres. We had the draft and a lot of trades going on um, with the Buffalo Sabres. So let's start off with the NHL draft. Um, round one, pick one. No surprise, the Sabres select Owen Power from Michigan. So, you know, big 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six defenseman. It's still unknown whether he's going to go back to Michigan Or play for the Sabres I think many people thought he was going to go back but in his interviews he said you know I want to do whatever is best and what the organization feels is best for me and my development so I wouldn't be overly shocked at all um, if he decides um, to come or to play for the Sabres we'll dive a little bit more deep into some of the player prospects um, that they chose but I kind of want to focus more on the trade parts here Um, they'd get a second first round pick pick 14 Um, Isaac Rosen forward, then round two, pick 33, Prokar Poltapov forward. And then round two, pick 53, Alexander Kisikov forward again. Then the Sabres made two more picks in the third round. Both of them were forwards, another forward in the fourth round, a forward in the fifth round, one forward and one defenseman in the sixth round, and one forward in the seventh round. So a ton of picks for the Sabres. I thought overall the draft class was pretty good. Um, It was clear that they want to add forward depth scoring um, for their future. Um, Isaac Rosen I thought was a little bit of a reach at fourteen. But I'll kind of dive more into that on Tuesday this week and kind of discuss each player a little bit more. I really want to talk about the trades though, how we even got the 14th pick, which started with the Rasmus Ristolainen trade, which Kevin Adams' first huge trade as a GM. Um, I know Taylor Hall trade was, I guess, kind of significant, but Ristolainen's a guy that you know we had been talking about for years about moving. And first and foremost, I just want to say. I respect Rasmus Jalainen for what he did for the Sabres. I wish him nothing but the best when he was giving his, you know, closing interview and talking about the Sabres. You know, his quote that he said was, I'm not going to show my ass to Buffalo. And I think a lot of Sabres fans respected that because we've seen so many guys that leave the organization and kind of just, you know, kick dirt on the Sabres organization, the players, um, the fans. And it was nice of him to kind of say, I'm not going to do that. I respect this organization. I respect the fans and what they did for my career. But getting the haul that they did for Ristaline, who only has one year left on his deal, I'd assume that Philadelphia wants to sign him long-term just based on what they are willing to give up. So they gave Buffalo the 14th overall pick, which I just discussed. They took Isaac Rosen. Then they gave him a 2023 second-round pick. Um, and Robert Hag, the defenseman who's 26 years old. He's a UFA after this year. He's only on $1.6 million deal, 47 career points, a nice veteran depth defenseman, probably going to be playing third line minutes, maybe second line uh, D pair minutes. Um, just an overall great trade for an expiring contract for Ristaline after the season. A player at your... You more than likely were not going to be bringing back, which we have talked about a hundred times, that he was not going to resign here, nor should the Sabres have wanted to re-sign him. And it's not even Ristolainen's fault. He was playing way more minutes than he needed to be. And he got forced into a spot where he was always on the ice for goals, got put in bad positions, and just did not contribute the way he needed to. Um, so overall, I think this was a good trade for Kevin Adams because, you know, robert is a solid defenseman that you're going to use for one year and depending how he produces maybe you bring him back and then you get two picks for him um for a player that you know is going to be leaving so obviously a really good job by him but the big deal was sam reinhardt to the florida panthers and this deal took literally forever and it really drove myself and other sabers fans crazy why the deal was taking so long um you know between maybe there was gonna be conditions on picks it seemed like there was gonna be multiple picks involved um, maybe there's gonna be another player involved that they were trying to work out um, the details too but in the end the overall final deal is that the Panthers get Sam Reinhardt and the Sabres get Devon Levy a goaltender and a 2022 first round pick which is top 10 protected so if it is a top 10 pick, it would move to 2023 unprotected. So overall, I'm really disappointed with this trade, especially after hearing the reports about Reinhardt, you know, when he talked to, you know, the media and his agent that were kind of just spitting out blurbs. Um, You know, he was thankful for, you know, his time in Buffalo, but he understood that, you know, he even said he wanted to be here long-term um, in the past and that they just weren't willing to give him that long-term extension which you know shout out Jason Botterill for screwing that one up so badly and then they gave him another short bridge deal again and that's on the Sabres for not recognizing the talent they have you know you're talking about a guy who's been a 20 goal scorer um, three plus times had the best season of his career and you're telling me the only thing you could get for him is a first-round pick, which is going to be in the low-end, you know, 20 to 30 range, because is going to be really good because they didn't really lose anyone in the offseason. They lost the Stanley Cup champions, Tampa, in the first round, took them to six games, and now they're adding Sam Reinhart, and they're having Spencer Knight going to be there with Bobrovsky full-time. So just utter disbelief that this is the only thing we could get for him. Um, Devon Levy had a really good U20 World Juniors. He went 6 and 1, 964 save percentage, and three shutouts. His trajectory has kind of skyrocketed because he was a seventh round pick in 2020. So obviously, the Sabres feel really comfortable with him to kind of pair with either Allmark or Uka Lucan in the future. But at the same time, he's only 19 years old, and I don't foresee this player being in the Sabres organization for another three to five years because goalies do tend to take longer to develop. So this deal right here, you're basically giving up Sam Reinhardt for literally nothing back this year. Um, I know Kevin Adams wants these young players to play, but getting rid of him for literally nothing and a question mark player in the future um, just doesn't make sense to me, especially if Reinhardt does sign with the Panthers, which it seems like they're working on doing. And it seems like it could be a four or five year deal or longer. And if he re-signs there, then this deal just looks that much worse because at least if Reinhardt doesn't re-sign there, it's only a one-year thing, you know, it's a little more understanding. Okay. You got a first round pick and a prospect that you like, but if he signs there long-term in your division and the only thing you give for him is a low end first round pick and a goaltender that we're not going to see for, you know, four or five years, especially for what you got for Ristolainen, I think that's a massive failure on Kevin Adams' part and I know that maybe the forward market is a little bit different than um, you know the defense market right now. But it's at the same time where he shouldn't have field rushed. The Ristolainen deal obviously makes sense. Obviously, I was a little upset that they didn't protect Borgen. But now seeing the deal, you understand why they didn't because of the value Ristolainen had. And I think you're seeing sort of the same thing with Jack Eichel when Adams was asked about him. He did say he's not afraid to keep Eichel on the training camp roster if need be um and having beer you could definitely tell that he's kind of over the situation saying he doesn't know um if eichel's skating even though his agent reported he was you know he just says he's in constant communication with the agent you could tell that that relationship is over and but he's also strong enough to know that he can't just get rid of him for nothing the jack eichel trade what they decide to do with him is going to define this franchise for the next eight to 10 years if you screw this up like they did with the Ryan O'Reilly deal. Jack Eichel, when he's healthy, is an easy top 10, 15 player in the league. And if you're talking to the Rangers, the Wild, whoever, if they're not willing, the Kings for that matter, if they're not willing to give you um, the Quinton Byfields, the turcotts the Lafayneers, the Foxes um, of the world, the Marco Rossi, um, then you hang up the phone and part of me wishes that if you held on to Sam and you did, you know, the one year or whatever and you just dealt him at the deadline, part of me thinks you might have been able to get more for him. Um, that's just my personal opinion. But um, it just really hurts right now that we let go of one of our two best players and we're going to be soon letting go of our other best player um, because our organization couldn't manage the situation right. We kept bridging Reinhardt and that was another thing. By bridging him, even if you would have gotten to this situation, if you had Reinhart another three to four years of his deal, I feel like you would have been able to get significantly more value compared to now, where he's an RFA um, going into the off season. So it'll be really interesting to see what Kevin Adams decides to do with Eichel. The amount of reports that have been coming out about it, um, it seems like the market's kind of died down a little bit because Adams' asking price is so high, which is a really good thing. And it was nice that the Pagulas weren't really involved in the draft room, but the report came out last night that Terry Pagula prefers if you have Jack Eichel trade to a Western Conference team, which I do understand why you would want him to go to a Western Conference team. Same reason why a lot of people didn't like the fact that Reinhardt got traded um, in the division for such a low cost um, in a lot of people's minds. It's one of those that if the rangers or whoever is willing to offer you Lafreniere or a player of that caliber and that's the best offer you're going to get then you don't worry about east and western conference however if you're not getting like for the rangers if you're not getting one of condre miller adam fox Lafreniere, or panarin you're not making the deal if you go to the kings if you're not getting byfield or turcott or multiple first round picks you're not making the deal If you go to the Minnesota Wild, if you're not getting Marco Rossi, um, you know, a first-round pick, Jordan Greenway, and some other prospects, you're just not making the deal. Even with the Anaheim Ducks, if you're not getting Drysdale or, you know, uh, Zegers, you're not making the deal. If you're even talking to Vegas, if you're not getting Peyton Krebs, multiple first-round picks, and an Alex Tuck or a player of that caliber, you simply do not move Jack Eichel. It doesn't matter how frustrated he is, how he doesn't want to be here. At the end of the day, Jack Eichel isn't the type of player that isn't going to show up to work um, because he's not trading. Like, if training camp starts and he's still on the roster, like, he's going to show up. He knows that Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat, and players of that caliber and the young guys in the locker room need him to be there. And one thing that he said in his press conference that I don't think goes noticed enough on his part as far as. He said, you know, as long as I'm here, I'm the captain of this team, I have, you know, I have to do my job. And he's not a player that, to me, is going to sit out. So he's going to show up. The only thing that's going to get tricky with that is you kind of create that bad locker room vibe because people are always on edge. The Cousins, the Middle Stats, the Dahlins of the world, after every single game or every press conference or whatever, they're always just going to be getting asked questions about Jack instead of their development Or the team as a whole. I think overall, Kevin Adams is going in the right direction as far as building a new culture, trying to bring as much young talent in as possible, and trying to rebuild this thing the correct way. And overall, I think he's done a pretty decent job so far. Um, You can, you know, rag on him all you want for the Taylor Hall deal, but because of the no movement clause, or, you know, Hall really only dictating where he gets to go, you know, there's nothing you can really do about that. And then they ended up losing in the playoffs anyway. Um, obviously the Reinhardt deal isn't something that I'm really happy with right now, but, you know, maybe in four to five years, Devon Levy is a really good goalie and we won't be talking about it, but who knows if Kevin Adams will make it that far based on what the Sabres have done um, in the past with GMs and coaches. Um, but the biggest thing is that we can't screw up this Ico situation. I really like the draft class overall. Um, I know people when they put the Reinhardt and Ristolainen deal together where if you say, you know, you traded both of these players for two first round picks, a second round pick, Robert Haig and Devon Levy, it looks better. But to me, I still think they could have gotten a little bit more for Reinhardt um, based on what he's done in his career so far. But that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Um, I'll be back on Tuesday. Maybe we'll have an Eichel deal by then. Maybe we won't. I'll kind of go more in depth um, about the draft class. The Bills are going to be reporting to camp. So we're going to see what happens with Cole Beasley and all that kind of COVID drama stuff going on. Um, So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Toronto Blue Jays as well as they are now officially going to be going back to Toronto, talk about their time in Buffalo and what they were able to accomplish. And then later in the week, um, next week, probably Friday or Saturday, I will be talking about the MLB. We'll talk some more at Olympics once, you know, all the sports get a little bit deeper. Um, and then Zach will probably be on. Um, we'll have to see if it'll be this upcoming week or the week after. But thank you all for tuning in once again. I appreciate all the support. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the way like the Buffalo Bills.